Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this episode is brought to you by Prevenex. I love this stuff. Supplement companies can do so many good things. But the problem is, which ones do you trust? And I really, truly trust Prevenex. I know this because I've been using them for two months before I even agreed to do an ad for them. I wanted to make sure that I trusted them, and I 100% do. One of the products I love is their Joint Plus That stuff is great. It has helped me heal a bone bruise and ankle injury that lasted, gosh, it lasted literally forever. But this stuff really kicked into high gear. It's been scientifically proven. And for runners, hey, we all have some sort of joint pain. So go to Prevenex.com and use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. Man, this episode was so much fun to record. This was my live show with Alexi Pappas and Molly Huddle. That's right, two titans within the running community, and they touched on many things, but the scope of our conversation was the state of female running across the world and within America. And with that said, that's a pretty vague topic. We go in a lot of different places with this, and I think that my key takeaway was just how thoughtful Alexi and Molly are. Now, that wasn't surprising. If you follow either of them on social media or follow their writing and things like that, you probably already know this, but it's one thing to see it from afar. It's a whole other thing, at least for me, to be sitting across from them and seeing it in person. It was awe-inspiring, and I know the people who witnessed this in Houston felt the same way, because after the fact, a lot of them came up to me and said just that. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Alexi Pappas and Molly Huddle. Thank you for coming. This is so nice. Alexi, Molly, this is wonderful to have you here, not only in Houston, but to talk to everybody out there, not only about your experiences as runners and as elite runners for the sport of running, but also to really set the stage for what the current state of running and women's running is, uh, not only in America, but across the world and how we can continue to elevate that. So before we get into it, again, as Mark said, their reputation certainly precede them, but I'll give a quick bio for both. Molly is a two-time Olympian, the, the current U.S. record holder in the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon. She's also a podcast co-host for Keeping Track uh, podcast. If you haven't listened to that, please do so, and she'll be running the half marathon this weekend. So, Molly, thank you. And Alexi, was a 2016 Olympian for Greece in the 10K. She's also the Greece Greek record holder in the 10K. And not only is she a runner, she is a budding movie star amongst us now with the Olympic Dreams movie coming out on February 14th, where she is co-starring with Nick Kroll. You'll be able to see that in theaters across the country and on demand. So I don't know if we're going to talk running or movies today, maybe a little bit of both, but we'll see. So bear with us. We do have two mics. So Alexi and I are going to pass the mic back and forth as we go. Uh, with that said, I guess first question for you, Molly. What female athletes did you look up to? Not necessarily just runners, but female athletes did you look up to when you were a teenager and finding your way in sport? When I was a teenager, um, I, look up, I looked up to um, male and female athletes because that's kind of like what was marketed at the time, a lot of like male superstar athletes. But for me... Um, Actually, the U.S. Gym, gymnasts I loved uh, for the women. So um, 
1996 Olympics was the first games that I remember actually watching and paying attention to. I was about 12 at the time, and um, I just remember Michael Johnson and his gold shoes and then the gymnast. So that was kind of like, the, that's kind of like what got me hooked onto like Olympic ideals and aiming for that. And my dad was a runner at that time, but I was not yet running. So I just was like, I would love to make it there. I don't know how or in what. <laughs> um, but I just found them to be, you know, really um, electric and just like so talented and strong and graceful and beautiful. And um, I thought that was cool. Um, in the running world, then I, uh, when I was in school, um, I looked up to people like Dina Castor. Um, actually, it was I was more uh, later years of college when she set her when she got her Olympic medal, and that was like very huge for all of us to see. And um, she was definitely inspiring to the girls on our team and to myself. Um, for me, I think similarly, uh, w- women in other sports were a lot more visible when I was growing up. So female soccer players, I played soccer growing up. And so the like Mia Hamm uh, era was very much the thing that I latched onto. And I think the reason was because at that time, those women uh, were, they were not only visible, but I think they gave me something that I could easily imitate Um, I remember, like, a simple sweatband or, like, the sports bra image was really strong. And I think with role models, like, the thing we latch on to, sometimes before we can be, before we can do what they do, we can, like, look how they look. And so I think for me, that's why these soccer players stood out first, because they gave me some element that made me feel more confident. So for me, it it was those women. And as you were preparing to turn pro or early on in your pro career, what runners, Molly, did you look up to as not only people you wanted to emulate, but people that maybe you viewed as mentors and really tried to take the best of what they were doing and try to incorporate it into your own professional career? Yeah, I definitely looked up to um, some athletes that weren't that far ahead of me in years, people like Shalane Flanagan and Kim Smith, who were only a few years older than me and Um, college but that was when I was really seriously into running and considering like what does it even take to run professionally or make an Olympic team and I was watching these girls who went through you know the same college program system that I was in and they're making um, the Olympic team while they were still in college Um, so for me that was huge to see them doing that and just noting the similarities that we had Um, I also really looked up to um, professionals like Meb He's been someone whose career I really just admire and just he's one of those people that whether he has a good race or a bad race, you just like how he handles himself. So he's definitely been someone. Um, and luckily now we have like no um, lack of amazing female athletes on the tracks, the track side of things. So now I'm inspired by people even younger than me, like Emma Coburn and um, Jenny Simpson, who are getting medals and getting it done the right way. So, um, yeah, I've definitely had a lot of role models, like very much in my peer group, which has been, um, I think, really helpful. (laughs) And for me, I think there were like three different uh, women that really stand out to me and for three different reasons. One Uh, was also Shalane, and I think that was because Shalane, like, she set a really great example, and she also made herself accessible to some of us who uh, needed 
advice. Um, I've, I feel like when I've asked her for advice, it's only been in times when I've really needed it. And she's given me the advice that like an older sister might give you, which you may not want to hear, but you need to hear. So I've really appreciated that even though she wasn't, we weren't on the same team. She was always available to me when I had like really, really um, meaningful turning points and needed that, that advice. So that, that's one. Dina Castor also, um, similarly, I think she welcomed me into her environment, her training group, um, for training camps in Mammoth. And that's just like, just being around her gave me permission to do certain things such as stop on a run and pet a goat and things that you don't know if you're allowed to do. Like, are you allowed to stop to tie your shoe? Are you allowed to stop to pee? Well, if she's doing it, then I can do it too. And so I think there were certain things that Dina showed me um, that you could be and still be the best. And that was really nice permission coming from the right person. And honestly, Molly has been very helpful to me when I had, I've had like one serious injury in my career and it was not until after I was an Olympian. And um, I think just your advice and your generosity with resources and how to, how to get healthy um, really meant a lot to me during a time when I was like very confused. Um, and so that, that I'm very grateful for. So before we came up here, we were asked to talk about the current state of female running. And when you hear that, what is your initial reaction to, to, to that statement and to the question of, you know, what, what is the current state of female running as, uh, you know, in this current moment? Um, I think you're just seeing a lot of changes in um, women's sports in general. Um, I think we're just at a time where athletes in general are um, willing to take on more than just the sports role. And um, that's not to say we're not still focused on what we're doing. It's just um, there's just more of a um, comfort level with speaking out and just recognizing your power as a high-profile person in the sports world. And so I think you're seeing a lot of women take cues from each other to maybe not worry about being um, rocking the boat a little bit with some of the things they're saying or requesting or pointing out. And um, it's led to some really good conversations and some awareness maybe of how things could be better as far as, um, for example, the Dream Maternity campaign with Allison Felix and um, Alicia Montano was pretty powerful only because a number of them, you know, Alicia was very brave and kind of started the conversation and then a number of women kind of followed along with their experiences and at the end of the day a lot changed in the contracts um, that they signed and just the way that um, sports are set up to fit maybe a female athlete's life better than it used to. So um, I feel like things like that are leading to other conversations and I feel like it's just a really empowering time. I mean, you know, we're seeing other sports talk about things like equal pay in the women's soccer league and um, just a lot of things that are coming out and um, empowering other women to kind of take on their own, uh, take, take charge and take on their own cause. So I think it's going in a positive direction. I think pointing out things that need to change is like always like the first step in actually making things improved. And um, I think women are just earning a lot of respect as, you know, credible role models, like whether they're male or female athletes, which is exciting. Um, we were talking about this on our podcast, the way like, you know, after the World Cup, Megan Rapinoe became such a fan favorite of everybody, like not, not just little girls. Um, so seeing things like that happen more often has been really encouraging. Yeah, I think 
that. And also, well, in general, the ceiling is a lot higher, right? Or maybe there's like less of a ceiling at all. And that includes, I mean, it's performance and it's, um, it's on and off the, the, the road. This is a road race. So it's on and off the road. Um, and it's really exciting because I think what it means is that women just need, um, like the opportunities. So, so this race, for example, has presented a tremendous opportunity for a lot of Americans and international athletes to like chase their goals. And I think we, we know as women in general that we can do it now. And now it's just like, it almost feels like it's now time to like execute. And it feels like a really beautiful year to, to go for the things that we want or say we want or are dreaming that we'll have one day. So I think a race is like a good, uh, it's a good image of like getting, getting something that you want and you don't know if you can have. Um, and it, and it, uh, it's meaningful as an athlete. And then it's like Molly said, off the track, all of that progress is, um, seems more possible now than, than it might've seemed a year ago. And with all of that said, you know, you're still elite level athletes who are trying to perform at your highest possible level, especially now in an Olympic year. So what is the balance like for you trying to advocate for the current state of your sport, the future of your sport, while at the same time trying to be the best runner you possibly can be? That's definitely the challenge. I think that's why in the past most athletes stick to the model, like myself included, of just like let your feet do the talking, just get your running done, because it does take everything. Um, it takes a lot of your day and, and a lot of your mental energy and a lot of your focus. But I think if you can find pockets of time to kind of like build up that other side of you and build up that profile, you can um, hopefully create this like group of allies that will kind of take it a little bit further than you can. So like you have to say what the issues are and get it started and let people know what you're about. And then kind of this team can hopefully spring up around you to kind of like pick up the pieces and take them a little farther. Um, because you do, that's, that's important. You know, we, I dedicate my life to the sport and that's what gives me any kind of platform at all. So, um, it's really meaningful for me to just lean into it and get as many good performances out of it as I can. And so that's going to be picking up these projects and putting them down for a minute. And I know Alexi knows a lot about this because she's managed to make movies in between her, um, like the races and marathon buildups and Olympic teams. So um, it's, it's a tricky um, kind of like juggling act, but, and one I'm pretty new to, but I think it's, um, it feels worthwhile to try. Yeah, I agree. And I think this, the sport, um, Molly and I have both like slowly transitioned from track to roads. And one of the, one of the wonderful things about the marathon and, and the road racing community is that we're, we're in a different world that more people um, are a part of. And so I think that uh, that's one way that we're able to like continue to compete, but also be a part of a bigger community than we were before. And so I think there's different ways of like speaking out. There's like speaking and then there's also just like involving yourself in a different community or trying to show by example that like you're growing or you're moving in a different direction. Um, and so like I've loved moving to the marathon because it means that I'm suddenly on the start line with everybody who uh, like could represent everybody in my life and people that I don't know. And so 
hopefully whatever person that I'm leading my life with can can have an impact on more people because I'm on the start line with more people. And, you know, I, I do think that that we we can only do one thing uh, in any one moment, but running is such a mental sport that if if we feel empowered or we feel good about whatever we're doing with our time, it's going to undoubtedly help us on the start line. You know, it's it's a mental sport. So if you feel like you're thriving in your whole life, whether it's like you're passionate about a particular uh subject or like pushing forward an agenda and if that makes you feel like you're being like your best person then you'll run better because of it so I don't think it's so mutually exclusive and I think that um by Molly and I allowing ourselves to evolve as like people we're going to be better athletes as well and with that evolution comes just kind of a a higher degree of notoriety and fame that comes along with that so what is the balance for you or just looking around the sport and trying to identify, you know, maybe as established elites that people like yourself kind of have not necessarily like the burden of being the people who are kind of at the forefront of that change and trying to lead it, but kind of being more responsible for that versus maybe someone who's you know just out of college or kind of early in their 20s and still trying to get a feel for not only the sport, them, the sport in and of itself, but their place in it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, it's not something I even would have had um, maybe the few things I'm doing now, like the podcast or, you know, like being more vocal about certain issues in the sport. I probably wouldn't have done when I was first out of school because I felt like I was, I just didn't have the platform I needed to say those things. And I also just didn't know what was going on enough in the running world. Like it's, I've been doing it for 13 years now. And so you start to see the things that resonate with you and you start to, you know, notice things you wish you were different or, or, you know, you'll meet people that you wish, like, for example, the reason we started our podcast was to kind of elevate some of the um, lesser told stories in women's sports. And like, those are people I've met directly. And I'm like, this person is amazing, but she was like eighth at the Olympics. So like not enough people know who she was. And like, you know, you see more of the, you have more of those life experiences in the sport that, that kind of like motivate you to do these things. Um, and you just get to a point in your career where you've, you're like, okay, I feel like I can do more with this. Like I've done, like I've really poured myself into the physical side of it and I still am, but like it's, it's earned this many accolades and so people will listen to something I have to say more so than if I was like just out of school and still finding my way. And um, that just like, it just feels like more natural progression to me. <laughs> I think also like right out of college, running feels very inward facing it can feel very complicated running um when you're first introduced to the sport and I feel that as I've gotten older running has become simpler and simpler and it's allowed me to um appreciate it more because it's like it's unless I'm like hurting in the injury way I just have to keep putting my foot in front of the other and so outside of running I feel I have more willpower to do other things because the sport is becoming simpler as I am maturing as a person. When I was just graduated college, I think, you know, it's, my brain wasn't fully formed yet. So like running was hard and for different reasons, you know, and now it's a simpler sport. And, and so I think we do have a little more resources to do other things. And, and also when you've achieved an Olympic dream, I'm sure Molly has goals she hasn't achieved yet, but there's something about the sport where it has to keep growing with you 
so it doesn't feel um, selfish. And so I think there's an element of also needing to have a purpose beyond my Olympic dream that like, I've been there. It was amazing. It changed my life. I want a different experience out of running for the next cycle. And it is interesting how these cycles cause you to evaluate yourself and your life and your purpose, um, much like, I don't know, a college cycle might where like, it's gotta, it's gotta have an evolution. Otherwise we're just, we're staying still. So, so we're, we're, we are inviting that evolution, I think. And thinking about that inward versus outward frame of mind, obviously social media has drastically changed since both of you left college and your connection with you know, current and future friends continues to evolve just because people have potential access to you and you to them in ways that weren't currently available when you, you, know, when you first started as a pro. So with that in mind, Molly, how has your connection with your fans change the way not only you view elite running but just running in general for all for all runners yeah i feel like um well kind of similar to what alexi said when i did a lot more road racing you kind of do feel that connection more because you are running with everybody um and everyone can talk about the same hill on the same course or the same like weather that happened at boston or something like that so um that's definitely been really a really cool connection to have. And I think we're more accessible now through social media. You know, people feel like they can see like what a day of training is like. And, um, you can message people, you know, we're not like so famous that we can't answer a message. (laughs) Like it's distance running. Like if someone wants advice on something, like it's one of like 10 messages I have. So (laughs) I'll probably answer. Um, I think it's been, it's a great tool. Um, like any tool, I feel like you definitely have to kind of be wary of the downsides of social media. You know, it can be something that's a little bit stress-inducing, I think, especially when you know that, like, you're, you're speaking to a lot of people and it's, like, very, it's, like, weighted, the things you're saying. But um, as a whole, it's definitely been something that's, like, made us valuable in a different way as athletes. And so I think to use it in, like, your own authentic way has been... Um, like an asset, definitely. I was slow to warm up, but I think I'm good with it now. So, yeah. I think what's what's good is really great about social media because the role models that Molly and I had growing up in sports were clearly the ones who were most visible at that time. So now there's like a platform for runners to be visible and have a personality. Uh, I I think though it's important for everybody, um, and especially the 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 ones for whom it's part of their job, which is us, um, to choose how we want to use it. Um, And for some people, it is much like a diary and it's an open book. And for other people, that that won't... um, And and that uh, lifts them up. Like maybe like an extrovert would be lifted up by sharing everything. And other people, you know, have a different way to like thrive with social media and so I think for me personally, um, I, I'm very thoughtful about what I put out there and, and it's not everything. Um, I think there's just like a time and a place to share everything, uh, which is why I'm writing a book. Um, because I am, but, um, but I think that it's a, these fragmented pieces on social media can so often miss the whole picture. And so um, I found it a really great platform for like bite-sized takeaways, but maybe not like the whole the whole background, which I find 
Um, I would rather control that narrative in a longer format. Um, in I think that's why books are still important. Like social media gives a great snapshot of now and a book or other format might give you a, a better snapshot of like the whole process that led to now. And so it's just social media is as great as it is. And there are also other things that are still important. So what are a couple things um, with the state of women's running that you would like to change both in the short term and the long term? I think, um, I mean, it's interesting. There's a lot of women's sports that don't get the media coverage they deserve. But fortunately, um, the way track and field and road running is set up that we're so integrated into the men's and men's and women's races are together. Um, there actually is a lot of parity in how this, how the sport is packaged and promoted. Um, I think maybe how female athletes individually are marketed could be a little bit more broad of a strategy. Like I feel like there's still like these boxes that are the female athlete. Like I saw a really cool article. Um, I forget what publication it was just about how, um, female athletes aren't allowed to be, they said jerks. <laughs> and it's, it's obviously we do aspire to be our best selves, but like, it's just, we're perceived differently if we're aggressive or if we're like, you know, like trash talking a ref, you know, like with Serena Williams or, um, you know, maybe like just, I don't know, just not judge the same as the way a male athlete would be. So I feel like those things could change a little bit and maybe just get a little more creative with the marketing strategies, like not always focused on like looking a certain way or um, something like that. So that's kind of from my perspective as um, a female athlete in the marketing world. That's what I've noticed. I'm sure there are a lot more issues out there. I completely agree with that. I, I also just think like abroad, it would be, um, it will be wonderful to see like, like a body type of an athlete to be more normal in other countries. Like when I, before Rio, um, I was abroad training and um, it, some younger girls came up to me and asked like why I look how I look and I didn't realize like I looked like a boy they told me I looked like a boy and I didn't realize that in some places this is still like not a a normal sight and that's fine but it'll be exciting to see more and more of the image that Molly describes um in a in a in a place where everybody can see it so that it can become a little more normal to just like be hella strong, you know? And so much of the change that we've seen uh, in the past year or two especially has come in the wake of athletes stepping up and basically being setting the narrative themselves, whether it's the work that Lindsey Krause has done and the numerous articles that she's been a part of and so many other things. So when you think about you know, the items that you want to improve upon, how much of it falls on the athletes themselves to set the agenda or moving towards the more traditional media side to kind of partner with or have them take the charge and then you assist them? I think, like you said, it's kind of more of an um, working together on that. Like, I think, you know, the media can, every story, you don't just want a jumble of information on a page. Like a journalist wants to craft an angle and a story. And um, I think the more you tell your own or help other people tell their own or just get more out there about yourself, the less you'll be like put into this little box or this little narrative or like this one story. Um, so I hope that that's happening. Like I hope that um, 
Like that was, again, one of the intentions of our podcast, even though it's a small project. It's like, well, maybe if we let these athletes tell kind of the story from their side, other publications will listen to it, get that idea, take that to a bigger story and so on. And um, we've actually seen it happen once or twice with um, some of the women we've had on, which is cool already. So um, I definitely think, yeah, it's just about putting it out, putting out there kind of what you want people to know about yourself and hoping it's picked up on because like we said earlier, you're, you're doing your day job. You can't be trying to control the media too much, but um, just trying to like get your story like solid and um, well-known is important. I think also I wish that we were better. um, Like I wish we were really well educated on uh, how to handle those, the media situations when we were, when we were younger, when we were this big, Um, because I think, I don't know if in other sports people are prepared for the interviews. Like maybe on a team sport, you're more prepared for like what to say. But I just remember when I graduated, there was like, um, it was like a learning by doing of, of responding to media stuff. And, and there were certain things that I had to learn from non-sports contexts, from like the film world and bring it into the sports world so that I could best represent myself. Like simple things like say less because the more you say, the more things can be extrapolated and and taken out of context. Um, And certain things, I'm not going to give you all tips, but I wish that we were, we had a resource or a little bit more of like an education because running is such a, um, it's, it is sort of individual. It's hard for, um, the resources to get to everybody. So I wish that there was more of a, more of a, a way for people to enter the running world, understanding how to, how to represent yourself before you do, um, so that we don't learn, uh, the hard way, I, I suppose. Um, and, and same with access to information about female related issues. I, I felt like lucky or unlucky to like know about certain things, like whether it was like, checking my iron in college I, I didn't know about that because it wasn't as common to, commonly talked about and so there isn't sort of like a just a basic education that you might get that might set you up to succeed as a female athlete and so that would be really nice if that existed uh before I had vitamin d deficiency you know like that sort of so we talked about things that need to be improved and how you know we can be part of that change, but obviously things are also going really well. This is a very exciting time to follow you know, running uh, all across the world and for so many reasons. So for you specifically, what are some of the things that you're most excited about uh, currently in the running world? I'm just really excited about like the increasing depth of um, distance running in the U.S. in general, but like especially on the women's side. Um, like, for example, we were talking in the press conference earlier about the who's going to make, like, the fact that the Olympic marathon trials are coming up for the U.S. in Febu- end of February, um, and just how we could send, like, probably two full teams of athletes on the women's side and still have, like, them finish in the top ten. Like, it's just a really deep um, event, and then that's not even speaking to the depth on the track and in the other events. So it's been cool to see it taking off, I think, um, like, we have some really good resources in certain training groups in the country that are just, like, like Shalane um, joining Bowerman as a coach now and less so as an athlete. So um, I think there's more of that to come. So that's always exciting to me. I think, likewise, the support um, within the 
female distance world of women training in the U.S. has been really like really inspiring because I think there was a time when it didn't it didn't feel like there was so much support between groups or between different female athletes. And this year, um, it feels like it's possible for everyone to realize that like, oh, this is it's better if we support each other. Um, And that's something that even though everyone is competitive on the start line, it actually feels like there's quite a bit of support um, between athletes in a way that is is really going to help um, with anything. It's just, it's only going to help. Now, the vast majority of people who are here this weekend who are running and the vast majority of people who will be listening to this show on the Rambling Runner podcast are dedicated amateur runners, and they care about this sport you know, maybe not as much as you two do, but they care about it passionately. So what can the dedicated amateur runners of the world do to help elevate this sport in a meaningful way? Um, that's a good question. I think um, maybe just being vocal with the things they'd like to see or hear from athletes and um, or just if they if they have an athlete that they're a fan of and they're they have something like the dream maternity cause Alicia had. If you like Alicia, maybe just like try and back her up in whatever way you can vocally. I don't know. (laughs) Um, yeah. And just, um, continue to get out and run yourself, you know, and just like encourage the people in your community to get on board. Um, if anything, I hope that like we're speaking to things that we want to change inside our sport. It inspires people to, try and change things in their own community or start things or create things or um yeah just make things and make things that make where they live better (laughs) i i think that's well said i think just and also you said maybe they don't care as much as we do i don't think that's true i think that there's like a perception i'm not saying we don't care but i think i think it it's fair to say we're all allowed to like really 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 care about this and the pain that we go through in a race is probably not so dissimilar to the pain that you go through in a race. Like pain is pain and our tolerance levels, whatever, like our, our thresholds might be different, but, but pain is pain. And, and I think we can all, um, assume that because, because that will carry over into these issues of like, you're also allowed to care about the same things we care about progressing, um, and feel like that care is the same care we have. So If you get up at five to run, you definitely care as much as I do. So that's early. Thank you so much for being here today and for racing this weekend and talking about these important issues. I know everybody really appreciates it. So let's give Alexi and Molly a hand. Good luck to all of you this weekend and thank you for coming out. Thank you, Alexi and Molly. This was so much fun. I mean, really, one of the highlights of my podcasting career was recording this episode, and I just loved hearing it back after we recorded it, and I came back home to Rhode Island and got to listen to it again. I hope you liked it just as much as I did. Thank you so much to TuneUp CBD and Prevenex for sponsoring this podcast. They've done that for a long time, and I truly, truly appreciate it. If you love the show, go check them out because they have products that you need. We all can benefit from some sort of supplementation, and also we get bangs and bruises. And having a tune-up CBD at your disposal is also nice to have. So thank you so much for listening, for rating, for reviewing, and for sharing the show. Tomorrow's episode on Road to the Olympic Trials is with Neely Spence Gracie. Man, you're not going to want to miss it. That's all I can say. 
Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.